good afternoon and welcome to your Royal Rears podcast, your hub for your nine-time World Series champion, Boston Red Sox, your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, your 17-time NBA champion, Boston Celtics, your six-time Stanley Cup champion, Boston Bruins, and your 11-time national champions in football, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I am your host, Tom O'Shea, also known as the Junkyard Dog, also known as T.O. Schwiggins. And you can't change that. Well, crap. You know, let's get into the Brady news. All right. The Patriots news. All right. The offseason has begun today or has begun this week. And I should have saw this coming, but I didn't. I thought there was a chance that he would come back. But... Now hearing more of the stories that are coming out about the whole thing and like how, yeah, and like, and now I'm starting to believe. And then, yeah, he, on Tuesday, he, uh, on St. Patrick's Day, decided he was not returned to the New England Patriots. And then hours, almost like around six o'clock that night, he decided to sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Brady's not coming back. Uh, see what the deal was. So, Alright. Alright, so the, how much he was making. His deal is two years, $50 million, but and prohibits Tampa Bay from tagging or trading him. Uh, oh, crap. Yeah, pretty much the same deal we were probably going to give him. Yeah, freaking Bill Belichick would have gave it to him. Although they did, him and Bob Kraft, Robert Kraft did say some. Good things as he left. Like, he is a competitor and, like, toughest thing for both of them to do. Still, it should have happened. They should have. Although, I am excited for possibly what the post Brady, not saying that Tom Brady is not my favorite, was not my favorite player when he was with the Patriots. He was my favorite player, just like David Ortiz was my favorite Red Sox player growing up. Um, Kevin Garnett was my favorite Celtic player growing up, and Zdeno Chara is my favorite, or still is, and was, and still is right now because he's still playing with the Bruins, with the Boston Bruins, and that's the same thing with Tom Brady. He was my favorite Patriot growing up. Yeah, the guy was just a competitor, and I am kind of glad. I mean, if it if that was the way it was going to end, I mean. I mean, there's nothing we can really do now. I am excited for Brady getting the deal he needs. And, and yes, it sucks it's not with the Patriots, but still, I mean, he is getting paid and he is still going to play more. It's just, yeah, it's just going to be in a different team's jersey. But I am excited for him. I hope he does well in Tampa Bay is what I'm trying to say. I hope he does well in Tampa Bay. Maybe he might give him a ring. Maybe not give him a ring, but I don't know. Hopefully he does well. 
make us proud. Once a patriot, always a patriot. And this doesn't and this changes anything about my fandom as a patriot. No, it still doesn't. I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, it, now we're gonna have to experience being a Patriots fan without Tom Brady and out kind of a little bit the success of the Patriots, but still I'll still cheer for these guys till the end. Basically till the day I die. Till I'm hooked up in a hospital bed, breathing out my last breath and all my family members. I bet yeah, this basically what I'm trying to say is yeah. Right. Patriots fan till the freaking grave is what I'm trying to say. Brady or no Brady. Yeah. A lot of players are leaving too. Yeah, so Kyle Van Noy signed with the Dolphins. Jamie Collins signed with the Detroit Lions. I'm trying to see what are the other deals. Yeah, a lot of deals were made. A lot of Patriots were leaving. Yeah. Yeah, Jamie Collins left. So basically our two main defensive players on the team were leaving. Or one of our two, yeah. Let's see who else. So let's see. Um, Landon Roberts is leaving for the Dolphins too. Um, Deron Harmon has been traded to the to the Lions for uh, late round draft picks. Danny Shelton's leaving for the Lions. Wow. Everybody's going to the Lions. Well, you know who is um the head coach of the Lions? Used to be defensive coordinator for the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Patricia. Yeah. Ted Karras. Yeah, he's uh leaving for the Dolphins. Man, the Dolphins and the and the Lions are turning out to be the main Patriots getters in yeah. I wonder that who's the coach for the Dolphins? I know Matt Patricia is the coach for the Detroit Lions, but stop. Google it. Like any other millennial head coach. Brian Forres. Oh, that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Should be former. Yeah, former. Brian Forres. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, Brian Flores is trying to yeah, get all for his former Patriots. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we did make some other moves, too, but they were basically, yeah, we got wide receiver Demir Bird on a one-year deal. He used to play for the Arizona Cardinals. We acquired or signed him. Um, Bo Allen. From the Eagles on a two-year deal. Um, running back or Packers fullback Dan Vitel. Oh yeah, and uh, Adrian Phillips, safety and special teams captain of the 
or yeah, special teams captain of the uh, from the LA Chargers. Yeah, I can't talk. All right, on to your deal. So yeah, I have never heard of these people before. But just adds more to the story of the Patriots. We tra- we uh, acquired people that we haven't even heard of existed, and then turn them into perennial stars. It does beg the question now: Who's going to be our quarterback now? Since Brady is gone, what everybody is saying is going to be Jared Stidham. But don't be surprised if we get someone like maybe a Cam Newton or Andrew Luck. Did Andrew Luck really come out of retirement? I heard so. That better be a joke. I'm get. I I think it will be Cam Newton, but you're wrong on that too. You really did. So, did he come out of retirement? Is that for real? Oh, um. Yeah, I'm not really seeing anything news-wise that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he does come out of retirement because of this. Not saying he will because uh, I really don't want Andrew Luck on my team. No, he's, he's not that good. <laughs> Seriously. But if we tank... We could possibly be in line to get Trevor Lawrence, quarterback from Clemson. Yeah. I saw a meme saying that that would be the worst nightmare for the NFL if we got Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. That would be legit. But I did hear that um, Deshaun, Wa- Deshaun Watson was a option for next year, if not this year. So, yeah. That's Patriots news. What else? Any other Patriots news? Speak now, forever hold your peace. All right, moving on to the Celtics because that's we got some big news too. As I said last week, it looked like that not that former Celtics did not get the all the Celt the Celtic teams did not get coronavirus, but. That doesn't mean they were out of the woods, or not all of them were out of the woods yet. As last night, it was reported that a Celtic player did correct, uh, uh, contract the coronavirus. And his name is. Wait, no, hold on. Hey, hey, go. No, 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 no. You don't, you don't all right. His name was Marcus Smart. He got the. COVID COVID nineteen virus. And so he sent out a uh so he sent out like kinda like a video saying that he was okay and stuff like that. Recently. Here we are. Everyone. So I, what's up, everyone? So I just found out I tested positive for the coronavirus. I'm okay. I feel fine. Um, I don't feel any of the symptoms, um, but I can't stress enough practicing social distancing and really, you know, keeping yourself away from a large group of people. 
um, and just really washing your hands and, and, and help protect yourself and help protect others by protecting yourself. Thank you. So, yeah, basically, yeah, if that's what it means, if we just like um, he feels fine and that's OK, that's good that he's really is feeling good right now. But, yeah, just the whole thing, just have to stay inside. Just don't go out unless you have to get groceries and stuff like that, which, by the way, our state actually did that today. We, yeah, a stay home order, which we could still go out and get stuff like groceries, pharmacy and stuff like that. But still, I mean, yeah, we can't really. Yeah, do much else afterwards. So yeah, um, but anyway, so yeah, so if we just wash our hands and just not really touch our faces, be mindful of who we uh, interact with and stuff like that. Don't avoid big crowds, stuff like that. I feel like be fine. Yeah, so it's good that he's all right right now. So yeah, so any other Celtics news? Not a lot. Mostly the news has been uh, Patriots news and offseason moves and Brady leaving and stuff like that. So, anything else? Speak now for a world your peace. All right, let's move on to Bruins news. So, it seems that the Bruins owners are not going to pay or, or are the only team right now who are, have not paid their uh, – part-time staff or any of their employees because yeah, all those guys will be out of a job because with no sporting events and stuff like that, or no games to work and stuff like that, or events, concerts, these guys are basically out of a job. They're basically unemployed right now. So they really have no way of supporting themselves. And that's pretty dipshitty on uh, the Bruins owners. There really is dipshitty. Yeah. Seriously. In a time of crisis, I meant, Pay the dudes, pay the guys who are basically making the operation going and stuff like that. Or the main cocks. Like, pay, yeah, the guys who basically clean up afterwards. Pay those guys. And, like, speaking as a custodian and stuff like that, I mean, seriously, it would piss me off. We, yeah, yeah, that's kind of like a slap in the face of someone like me and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, did anybody see the Bruins fan that was a. at the uh, Marty Wal- uh, Mayor Marty Walsh. If you don't know who Mayor Marty Walsh is, he's uh, the mayor of Boston. I mean, people should know. If people from Boston or like interested in Boston should know who Marty Walsh is. Yeah. Mayor of Boston. If I can find it. He's just, the dude was just hanging out in front, behind the whole, uh, yeah, just hanging out behind the whole, the press conference and stuff like that was pretty funny. I'm trying to see if I can find it. Yeah. Come on, show me. All right, we're fine. Here we are. Here we are. Here. We are. Uh, to, for the most. Here we are. For Boston, uh, to, for the most up to date, uh, most up to date and accurate information, we're asking you to go to boston.gov slash coronavirus. Anyone in the city can call 311 and get a live person on the phone. That The phone lines are up and running, and it's 24 hours a day. We're asking people, if you'd like to get notified by text, you can text Boss COVID to 99. So, yeah, he's just hanging back there, just like, just smirking. Just, he, looks, he looks like a really, like, someone who has not left. Yeah, he's basically just, yeah, 
He's probably one of the employees. He's probably one of the employees is saying like, "Give me my check." <laughs> yeah, Mister Mister Walls, please go ask the Jacobs family. Just give me my check. It's <laughs> probably what he's doing. He's just, he's leaving the background, just talking to somebody. <laughs> he just looks like that typical, yeah, masshole or something like that. It just looks like, yeah, yeah. legit. Any other news? Bruins news? Speak now forever. Hold your peace. No. Well, today is Bobby Orr's birthday. He, yeah, just, yeah. So, yeah, never, yeah. So, it is his birthday. He will be. No, stop. I don't want to go. No, I clicked on something. All right, Bobby. Or here we are. He is 72. Wow. He's old. <laughs> he is 72 years old. Born in Perry Sound, Ontario, Canada. Yeah. And here's a thing that's thinking about the whole Brady thing and Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr didn't spend his entire career with the Bruins. Yeah, at least the last few years of his career, he did play somewhere else, and it was with the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, so just think of that. Yeah, just think of that. The thing of the whole Brady thing. Yeah, and we still consider Bobby Orr the greatest Bruin of all time. Yeah, and even the greatest Boston sport athlete of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Or Boston sport, New England sport athlete. So yeah, just think of that. Even the greatest of Boston sports athletes didn't stay his entire career in Boston. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Anything else? All right. Let's move on. Nobody. Yeah. All right. So Red Sox news, and we'll go by quickly with this one and the Notre Dame football news too. Then we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about uh. My favorite move, as well we planned on beforehand. Yeah, we'll take a quick break, but when we come back, and then, yeah, so, yeah. All right, so Red Sox news. It looks like now Chris Sale will have Tommy John surgery, which means he'll probably take him out the entire 2020 whenever we get back. Um, so, apparently, he uh, was uh, did throwing program yesterday and like he felt more soreness in his elbow so you know what he basically said you know what enough's enough let's go get this tg go get this tj yeah so hopefully it works and hopefully he comes back better and a lot greater because of it so yeah all right any other red sox news speak now forever hold your peace which is, yeah, so yeah. All right, yeah, so it's already done. All right, um, Notre Dame news. A so it looks like a commit has already, or a Notre Dame football commit has uh, already decommitted from Notre Dame. And it is tw class of 2021 four-star wide receiver Dion Coesley. He's decided to decommit. Yeah. Dion is ranked as a top 100 prospect in the 2001 class. Yeah. And he's leaning towards Georgia. So, 
Good lord. Yeah. All right, any other news? All right, speak now forever, hold your peace. All right, we'll take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to start a segment of the top 20 of my top 25 favorite movies of all time and uh, miniseries. So don't go anywhere, guys. Bye. All right, we are back and uh, start off with um, let's start from one to five. So my one for five was the movie The Departed at number one, Anchorman number two, three hundred at uh, number three, three hundred, number four, Band of Brothers the miniseries. And number five, The Quiet Man, the 1952 movie with John Wayne and uh, Mara Nahara. All right, so the go over The Departed, um, it's basically my favorite movie of all time. And there on the left-hand side of my entertainment center is a movie poster of the actual movie. So, yeah. So what it goes over is um, it's basically based off of uh, the movie. It's a movie, a Martin Gossese movie done in 2006 about the, about the, kind of like it takes off, or it takes a little spin off of the actual Irish mobster in Boston at the time, Whitey Bulger, that ran Boston from like the 1970s to 1990s. Um, so, but they, but uh, the character in that, that was supposed to betray him was a uh, Frank Costello. Is played by Jack Nicholson. That's the actual uh, Bulger character, Frank Costello. Although they kind of make him look a little bit too, like a little bit too goofy. Like he's kind of taking this a little bit too, not really seriously. But in real life, Bulger was kind of a really dark, twisted dude. So yeah, basically, Jack Nicholson or Frank Costello is a mobster in Boston, kind of like Bulger, around the same time too. And um, he basically uh, meets this uh, young kid named uh, Colin Solomon, who uh, later in the film is played by uh, Matt Damon. And he basically takes him under his wing, trains him, and then basically like uh, gets gets a, or uh, um, kind of nuts or uh, finds a way getting him into the Boston Police Department, where like he gets through the academy and then gets accepted by the special investigation unit of the Boston police department where he's basically at Solomon is basically like tipping him off and stuff like that. Or like basically give him information. Hey, like they're coming for you guys. Like it's kind of like what the astral science, the only thing like Costello is having a one step ahead, basically of the police, basically by he knowing, like knowing is knowing because he's getting tipped off by Solomon, like knowing when they're coming for him and stuff like that. And like, basically, yeah, yeah. And, like, basically, he's basically stepping one step ahead of the Boston police. So, they're getting tired. The Boston PD is getting tired of this. And they follow, like, we have this cop who is basically, yeah, we don't really know if he really is trying to be a cop or is he basically just sleeps back. Because they're looking over his history and uh, he's kind of had, his family's kind of had, like, a criminal history a little bit, too. So, they, what they decided, and this is the character of Bill Costigan, who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio. So they decided to, uh, and other players are in this too, uh, like uh, Martin Sheehan, 
or Martin Sheen, who was uh, Charlie Sheen's dad. If nobody knows that. Mark Wahlberg, Alec Baldwin, and uh, yeah, a few other characters too. Oh yeah, the guy who plays us or uh, Stephen on Braveheart, he's in this too. Fitzy, yeah, Fitzy, one of uh, Costello's, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so uh, they uh, have Koskin. They say like, we're gonna kick you out of the police department. We'll convict you of a crime, basically assault, and like a bogus report where like he goes to jail, spend time there. When he gets out, he uh, gets or uh, gets into the whole crime business and stuff like that to the point where like Costello's people are uh, taking notes and then uh, kind of. Uh, kind of a bit scouting him too and basically said hey you want to join us yeah and basically yeah he uh wins Costello's trust and stuff like that and basically works his way into Costello's circle where he's now giving information to the Boston PD to build a case and uh so and they learn out they find out later that like there is a rat and they but they don't find out it's solvent until basically the end which I basically gave away, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but um, you, you kind of figure it out, too, that, yeah, Sullivan is the rat, or Costello's rat. But they also find out, too, later in the film, too, that, like, the reason also, too, why they can't really bust Costello is that he's, a like, kind of like Bulger, too, in real life. He was a protective FBI informant, which basically get, got him off, basically, scot-free, because, hey, you're... Fr you're giving you're arresting a guy who's basically helping the FDI take down some really bad criminals. Yeah. Even though this guy is a criminal too. Yeah. But it is a it is a really good movie. Although if you're not really big in the whole cursing thing, this might not be a movie for you. Um, they dropped the F bomb like almost like two hundred over two hundred something times, yeah. In that movie. Like F bombs, yeah, yeah, a lot of other curse words too. But it is still a good movie. The reason I like it too is because it takes place in Boston, a little bit of Irishness in them, and then my favorite song of all time, and also the theme song to this show, um, I'm shipping up all the Boston, is in the movie. It won an Academy Award too, surprisingly. By I mean, it's a good movie, but like it's a, I can see where people might think this is not a great movie too, but it got Academy Award. And the reason because it got an Academy Award is because that year's Oscars that it got nominated for or won, all the awards for Best Picture were so awful that, uh, has, yeah, basically this is the better of the options. Yeah, better of the bunch. Yeah. So, yeah, they had really not a really good. The last King of Scotland, that was the same year too. That didn't get at least consideration. I mean, that was kind of a good movie about Idi Amin. Huh. I don't know. But yeah, still a good movie, and it will be number one on my list of top grace or uh, top movies or my favorite movies of all time. All right. Number two, Anchorman. So um, Anchorman is a comedy movie by Will Ferrell. Um, Paul Rudd's in it, or Paul Rudd's in it, and uh, Steve Carell and uh, who that one dude, David Sutton, yeah. Yeah. So basically, this this is a group of four reporters. One guy does actual sports. One's an on-the-field reporter. One does weather and one does sports and stuff like that. And they're basically a buddy group, like kind of like a four – like or kind of like a four group of buddies, basically, who are news reporters. And like this is the reason why the news station, the Channel 4 news team, is the best 
news station in San Diego during the 1970s. And like they get uh rate or like ranked number one in the ratings every year, every time. Stuff like that. Like they do well in the ratings. And then one day they decided, or the management decides, hey, let's get a woman as a reporter, which is played by Christina Applegate. Ron Burgundy uh, falls in love with her, and then uh, although there was kind of some little bit of resistance from the other guys too, like they really don't want a woman because it was in the time of period where women are now starting to enter the workforce now, and it's not basically yeah, basically hey, go make my coffee and stuff like that. Like hey, I'm going to actually take your job, kind of do like I'm going to do the same thing a guy is doing, and yeah, and that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to be a news anchor. Which at the time was like, no, women. Yeah. And then, and some of those guys were threatened by it. And even like Ron actually became threatened by it, where like there was kind of a rivalry between her and him. You read my news. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. You, that's another reason why I like that movie so much. There are so many good catchphrases in that movie. And it's so funny. And, the, and another good memory about it. When I was playing baseball for Harlan and we had road trips, like really long road trips where like we might not get back until like midnight or one o'clock in the morning from a road game. And coach wanted to watch a movie, which we were traveling on travel buses so we can do actually do that. He said, um, and that was the only Will Ferrell movie because he will let us watch because he hates Will Ferrell. Like I, we even asked him like other Will Ferrell movies like Step Brothers, Semi-Pro and Talladega Nights. He was just said, nah. Nah. And that kind of like Southern Illinois accent, like, nah, no, we will not. <laughs> we will not. Nah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's a good movie. And that's where I let, I never thought I left the hardest in my life after first seeing that movie for the first time. Like, I, <laughs> the bad funded Baxter. <laughs> it just lies that we're just, when, like, you say that to, like, the guys I uh, hang out with, like during my year days at Harlem, they know what you're talking about. The man put it back, and they just start dying laughing. <laughs> the man put it Baxter. <laughs> so many good lines, so many good lines in that movie, and that's why it's a good movie and number two on the rankings. At least, it's, yeah, it's one of the top five. All right, number three is a uh, three hundred, and this movie is uh about a uh, kind of like uh, the Battle of Formopoli. It's more of a guy bro movie that came out in 2007. And uh, it's basically about kind of like the battle for Mopavai. But it's a kind of a little inaccurate too. To the point where like they're fighting monsters and stuff like that. And like what goes on. Um, King Leonidas who is played by Gerard Butler. Who is kind of a pretty dude move Or a uh, dude actor too. But played by King Leonidas of Sparta. Who now has to defend his homeland from uh, the invading Persian army by King Xerxes and stuff like that? And this is kind. Of, this battle was kind of the Alamo of uh, the ancient Greek world, basically, where like they were fighting off like a huge, a much bigger army of Persians, but they still found a way to like basically held them off until basically a turncoat basically uh, gate or uh, showed the Persians where like uh, to kind of outmaneuver them and stuff like that to the. And kill them all off. Yeah. But basically, yeah, I actually heard that that was kind of a moral, a moral victory for Sparta at the time in ancient Greece. Because, yeah, even though they did lose and they were all basically killed in the end, 
um, they still found a way to make it very hard for the Persians to really win that battle. Like to a point where like they follow, oh, this will be an easy cake. Well, our, our big numbers and stuff like that and our flashy uniforms will basically march over the piece of cake. Well, they almost fell for the trap game. <laughs> Actually, I heard they killed the Persian or the Spartans killed more of the Persians than the Persians killed of them, which is a little bit of a dumb question because they all got killed. Yeah. <laughs> That was a joke. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's still a good movie. It is a bro movie, and there's some TNA in it. Yeah, if you don't know what TNA is, look it up. TNA, yeah. I'll blur it up. Ass and titties. <laughs> T's and ass. <laughs> it's actually TNA, or T's and ass, yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah, there is a few little uh, risque scenes where uh, King Lane I says, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's still a good movie. And it's at number three on the rankings. All right, two more, and then we'll go to quick break. And then, uh, yeah. So, um, the fourth movie is um, my favorite uh, World War II miniseries of all time. Um, and we have uh, the movie poster or, or the series poster on the right-hand side of the entertainment center. It's about uh, the actual true story of the actual guys of the of Easy Company of the 506 Infantry Regiment um, of the 101st Airborne Division during World War II, all the way from their uh, training camp or uh, basic training at Camp Decola, Georgia, through D-Day, the D-Day landings and the D-Day jump, fighting through the Normandy campaign, Operation Market Garden, the fail or Sort of, kind of successful, but somewhat of a failure invasion of the Netherlands and Holland. Uh, the siege at Bastogne and uh, marching into Germany, liberating some concentration camps and stuff like that. And then marching all the way up to uh, Hitler's vacation home in the Alps in Bavaria at Berchtesgaden. Basically, yeah, which he wasn't home at the time. He was dead. But what I'm talking about is the miniseries, the 10-part miniseries called Band of Brothers. Yeah, so, and this was kind of my uh, version of Lord of the Rings and uh, Star Wars and basically Harry Potter. This was my, basically, kind of trilogy, is to say, wait, well, it isn't really a trilogy, it's more of a miniseries, like a 10-part piece. But this was my thing to go to, and the kind of thing that was different from that from that stuff, which nothing wrong with some of that stuff, but from the, from the Band of Brothers, that actually did happen. Those guys were for real. Guys like Dick Winters... Uh, Don Malarkey, Richard ne- or uh, uh, Lewis Nixon. I almost said Richard Nixon. <laughs> that was our president. Buck Compton, Ronald Spear, uh, Carwood Lipton. All those guys were actual re- people that were based around the same age as me, and they were doing incredible things like saving the world from people like the Nazis. Yeah, people who were willing to enslave the world and basically wipe out an entire people too, which they do go into an episode, as I said, episode nine to the second to last episode of the series uh, called why we fight. And then they find out when they, why they're fighting this war, when they discover a concentration camp or well, it was a labor camp. It was basically somewhat like, but compared to that, compared to something like Auschwitz, this was kind of like, yeah, but still it was, they basically got to witness what the Holocaust was and basically why they uh, 
left their homes and their families to go fight in a war overseas. This is why they went to fight. Yeah. So that is a good miniseries. And, like, the score on that's really good. Yeah, the score on that is really good. Which I didn't know that was done by John Williams and the London Symphony Orchestra. Same guys who did uh, Star Wars. That's legit. That is – no wonder it sounds good. <laughs> Makes you sound a little – yeah. Yeah. But really good miniseries. And the book is good too. You should read that too. I've read the book too. Although there is some stuff that uh, didn't get mentioned in the book and or get mentioned in the miniseries too that they, the book talks about. But with episodes like 10 episodes or less like an hour or something like that, then yeah, they really don't have – yeah. But still, it's still a good book and movie, and I put it on number four. Yeah. All right, number five, and then we'll go to quick break. Um, uh, the book, the movie, um, The Quiet Man, done in 1952, which is a movie by John Wayne and John or uh, Maureen O'Hara. Basically, it's a book. It's a movie about an Irish American boxer who was born and raised in Ireland, and this is him. And um. They later find out in the film the reason why he came back to Ireland is because uh, he actually uh, during, he was an actual boxing sensation over there, Trooper Forn. So anyway, he uh, during his last match, he actually killed the dude. Like he killed his actual opponent on accident, and like that's why he wanted to get away from all that and stuff like that, and like decided let's go back to Ireland and basically go and buy his uh, old parents' home. And where, like, he grew up and stuff like that. But at the time, it was the land was owned by uh, the antagonist of the show, the Squire Donahar. Yeah, basically a big dude, too. And uh, he also kind of falls in love, too, but then finds out that uh, he has to get permission from the Squire Donahar because that was her brother. Yeah. And knowing the antagonist of the show, I don't think that was going to happen. Yeah. Well, they kind of make it happen. Although I did see an article that um, uh, they might like – they're kind of concerning because of like uh, there were some scenes where uh, – yeah. There might have been some scenes where like a liberal PC will find like, oh, that's so domestic violence. Oh, what a chauvinistic pig. Yeah. But yeah, it was kind of like an on and off relationship between John Wayne's character, uh, Sean Fortin, and uh, – uh, Mara Hara's character too. So yeah. So yeah, there was kind of a little bit of an on off relationship too. And stuff like that. She won her inheritance too. And like she couldn't get it um, without uh, her brother's permission and stuff like that. And like too. And that was the thing too. Um, and there was a big fight at the end. Well, I mean, John Wayne's character and uh, the Squire Donahue's character or Squire Donahue at the end, which is pretty neat. Another stereotype too. The Irish like the fight. Which is no shame in that. I really do love the fight too. Yeah. How did you know? <laughs> How did you know I like the fight? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Yes. Anybody doesn't like the fight is a little pussy. <laughs> little pussy, yeah. Oh, I don't like the fight. I always kind of turn the other cheek. Yeah, let me. Yeah, I hate those people so much. <laughs> yes, there are some times where you can't use violence, but at the same time, I mean, not to the point where, like, you're basically being a little pussy and too chicken shit to do fucking anything yet. Sometimes, yes, sometimes you need to solve your problems with sometimes violence. Sometimes, no. 
All right, so anyway, so yeah, uh, what a way to end that segment uh, or end this part before we go to commercial break. Um, So yeah, we'll go to commercial break. We'll come back and then we'll go over uh, six through 10. All right, so don't go anywhere, guys. Bye. All right, we are back going over six through 10. Excuse me. Um, Let's see. So we'll read off. At number six, Billy Masson. Number seven, Newt Rockney, All-American, 1940. Number eight, Happy Gilmore. Number nine, Battleground, 1949. And number 10, Waterboy. All right, so let's go over number six, Billy Masson. Billy Masson is an Adam Sandler movie way back in the 90s about a uh, kind of like a rich guy who's like in his 20s or 30s right now. And like he's way out of high school and stuff like that. Um, should have gone out of college too. Um, but like he basically is living with his dad who's filthy rich and like is a hotel owner. And the guy is so dumb and irresponsible and stuff like that. And, uh, kind of acts like a little bit of a kid too. And then, so the question that adds like to his dad, like he's going to be retiring soon. So he thought, should I give my company to my immature son or should I give the company to, uh, um, the antagonist of the show, but is has more responsibility and basically yes, yeah. But yeah. But it's still the bad guy in the show. So so yeah, he tells Billy this. He says, I'll do whatever it can because don't give the company to Eric because he will basically, yeah, screw everything over. Like he does look responsible, but yeah, he's kind of yeah, not deep down. So basically, he told told him like uh he since he didn't really graduate from high school and uh or basically, he did so bad in high school that, like, his uh, dad paid off all of his teachers and principals to just uh, slide him through school. So he thought, what if I go back and prove you or uh, prove that I can do it? And then he told him or uh, his dad told him it wasn't just high school. It goes way back, way back to the first grade. <laughs> so, yeah, remember that spelling me you won? Oh, no, you didn't. R-O-K. Rock. Yeah, we're okay, Rock. Oh, they see you silent. <laughs> so yeah, if you don't know, the dad who plays that in the in this movie is the same dad who's uh in a, a Christmas story. So he's the dad in that too. Yeah, <laughs> I just realized that when I uh, second time I watched that, I thought that's the same dad from a Christmas story. <laughs> You know, the amorisms, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he looks real older than, yeah, because, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so, yeah, he goes back, takes all, it has to do it in a week, too. So, yeah, but he doesn't fall in love with uh, the third grade teacher who basically, yeah, becomes, yeah, he gets at, he basically uh, gets at the end. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty neat, yeah. So, it's a funny movie, and, like, a lot, kind of like Anchorman, too, a lot of lines in it, too, like, yeah. It's, yeah. I love the part where, like, they're telling the story about Happy and uh, the dog. I, whoa, whoa, Miss Loopy. <laughs> you got a responsibility. You got a pet. If your dog is lost, you don't look for an hour and then call it quits. You get your ass out there and you find that fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> I just died laughing when I first saw that. Just, <laughs> I was about to say, I can't believe you just said it. F-U-C-K in the first grade class. 
was like, Miss Lou's like, whoa. Okay, we're going to go to recess now. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Good movie, and I rank it at number six. All right. All right. Number seven, Newt Rock, the All-American. Now, this is a 1940 film about uh, the famous legendary football coach at Notre Dame and probably the greatest of all time, the GOAT. Meh. <laughs> um, Newt Rockney, um, or as they said in the movie, Knut Rockney, because he's a uh, Norwegian and stuff like that. So, yeah, basically his career through Notre Dame, coaching Gip and stuff like that, winning national titles, and basically yeah, at the end dying which in a plane crash, which, yeah. So, um... So anyway, so yeah, it actually talks about uh yeah, Ronald Reagan's in it too. He's not Newt Rockney, he's George Gipp. Um, but the character who plays Newt Rockney is Pat O'Brien. Man, two Irishmen. Yeah. Yeah, Ronald Reagan's an Irishman. You didn't know that? Yeah. I thought he was Dutch at first, but then I found out, oh, Reagan really isn't Dutch. It's really actually it's Irish, yeah. Yeah, Pat O'Brien. Yeah, so yeah. So it's basically it falls his uh, life, basically. He grew up in Norway. His family immigrated to the United States at a young when he was a young kid. His life lived in Chicago, going to Notre Dame and playing football there. And then basically, yeah, after graduating, saying like, "Hey, can I stay here and get a teach, teaching job and become the football coach at the same time, or be one of the football coaches later, become the football coach at the same later on in 1918." Um, so yeah, basically, yeah, so yeah. So how he falls in love, starting a family and stuff like that, coaching George Gipp, who in the in real life, uh, they kind of make him in the movie kind of like a saint, basically, and kind of like a little bit of a cocky attitude to, hey, that cocky attitude beat the Russians. <laughs> yeah, eventually, yeah. Uh, uh, it's probably yeah, anybody. All right, Eugene. All right. So um, anyway, um, sorry, somebody called. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so um, so yeah, so yeah, basically, yeah, he wasn't a saint in real life. Yeah, he, the guy was a pool player. He basically yeah skipped practices and stuff like that, and was kind of getting the trouble and stuff like that. And kind of rocking basically, yeah, just does that out of the corner because I was his best player. And now, and there were, were, were a lot of rules of punishing players at the time. Tying into the whole coronavirus thing and like how that tied into the Spanish flu of 1918, Rockney's first season didn't almost happen because of the Spanish flu. Because it broke out around the same time as the football season was about to begin. And they were wondering too, and also too, because of World War One as well. Like they were wondering, like, are we really gonna play a season? I mean, some of their games were already getting canceled. I was reading the book called the uh The Gipper, and basically, yeah, that's uh yeah. Almost 19 – Rockney's first season, almost that like, didn't actually happen. So basically, when you're hearing all these sporting events getting canceled, it hasn't been the first, and it won't be the last time. So, yeah. So it hasn't – so it has happened before, like 100 years ago, yes. So, yeah, basically, so, yeah, it talks about his life, uh, Gip dying, winning some national titles, and then uh, the Army game where, like he says, yeah, he broke out the win one for the Gipper speech. Where basically, yeah, that's where the movie actually, yeah, basically where the speech actually, yeah, kind of, yeah, that whole like, yeah, just the motivational, that uh, let's go win this one for for a player, having to deal with like uh, some critics of football, and then uh, basically, yeah, the whole uh, him dying in a plane crash in Kansas in like 1941, 1932, I think, yeah. So yeah, 
a really good story, an old movie, but it kind of makes you feel good about Notre Dame too. So that's why I rank it at number seven. I kind of want to put a sports movie in there too. A retro movie at that. Yeah. So yeah, a hundred years ago, Rockney would be coaching right now. Yeah. Well, actually, a little known fact, in November this year, Rockney or uh Gip would actually be dead a hundred years ago. In November, yeah. So yeah, it's a little uh trivia question, a little bit known fact. So better plan something. All right. Number eight, Happy Gilmore. And this is another Adam Sandler movie back from way back in the 90s. So this is basically a guy who uh, wants to be a hockey player, but is going nowhere. Like, he's failing tryouts and stuff like that. His girlfriend's leaving him, and then he finds out the news that uh, his grandma's house that he grew up when he was a kid is being represented by the bank. And she was kind of a little late on her bills and stuff like that, and she has to go move into a retirement home. So he, uh, But then later on in the film – he discovers that he has a gift for golf. Like he's really good at playing golf player. Like he really can shoot it, especially at uh with a yeah, driver. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so he uh first says, like, I don't want to be a golfer, I want to be a hockey player. And it's looking like it's not really happening. And like uh, but then he finds out that like at these hot or golf tournaments, you actually if you get like placed or like win the actual thing, you get a cash prize at the end. And he thought, this could help my grandma get back her house or pay, repay all those debts to her house. And that's what he did. Basically, yeah, so that's what he did. For the sake of her uh, getting his grandma's house back, he basically yeah, decided to become a golfer. Yeah. He had fight a uh, shooter McGavern. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, and it's a really funny movie. Another great movie, too, where like, there's a lot of funny lines in it, too. Yeah. He fights, uh, he fights, uh, let's, who, oh, Bob Barker, yeah, he fights Bob Barker, <laughs> and he wears a Bruins jersey, so yeah, he's a Bruins fan, so yeah, so yeah, legit, yes, the retro jersey, too, back in the 70s, back in the big, bad Bruins days, yeah, so that's why I kind of like it, too, and that's at number eight, so, yeah, all right, so number nine is the movie Battleground. 1949, and this was a movie that I first watched like way back, like when I was fifth grade or sixth grade. And it was a movie about the same guys, the 101st Airborne, during the defense of Bastogne. So, yeah, basically, yeah, the whole Bastogne and the Battle of the Bulge, like how they were at Camp Marmelon, and basically, yeah, they got the news that like the German breakthrough happened. And it's a, yeah, old movie. It has a Van Johnson in it, who was a all time actor and stuff like that back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Uh, look him up, look him, Van Johnson, like Van, like as in a van. Yeah, an actual vehicle, the van. Yeah, not Van, Van. Van Johnson is uh, the founder of the American League. So, yeah, American League for baseball, yeah. So, anyway, so Van, so Van Johnson's in it. A few other people, too, I don't really want to get into, so I really don't know if you really. Yeah, but look it up. The movie's called Battleground. It's about the basically the defense of Bastogne. And it's kind of an old movie, like 1949. It was like done like five, four or five years after the Battle of the Bulge. Yeah, so yeah. So pretty neat. And they actually used some of the footage from the actual battle too, or from World War II battles too. So it was pretty neat. Yeah. yeah so 
Yeah, it also kind of has a good feel story, especially at the end. Kind of good feel American kind of story. Yeah. And that's what kind of like, – that was a turning point of the whole battle of the world because at that point the Americans were just getting butt kicked by the Germans. And basically, yeah, they were losing ground. A lot of their guys were being taken prisoner. Some of these prisoners were being killed too at the same time. So, And that was basically the turning point of that whole battle, the Siege of Bastogne, where one airborne division fought off four or five of the best – SS Panzer Division or Hitler's best SS Panzer Division, which Panzer Division is German for Armor Division. So basically they're tank divisions and stuff like that. So yeah, fought them off for basically weeks on weeks with no help before. Yeah, help did really show up via airborne and uh, armored. Yeah, so yeah. And basically, yeah, airlift and stuff. Yeah, the airlift supplies to these guys too when the weather cleared and like had like some uh, airstrikes too on the Germans' positions too. But yeah, and then Patton showed up too to kind of relieve. And that was the kind of the end of the siege too. But a lot of those guys said, we didn't really get, need to get rescued by Patton. Jeez, we had this control before he showed up. Yeah, which, I mean, we didn't really need him at the time. I mean, it would have been, it's nice that they have some armored division, but I mean, we, we basically got this under control. I mean, we're the first airborne division. We're supposed to be surrounded. We basically kicked their butts. Yeah. So it's at number nine. I know it's an old movie, but it is kind of one of my uh, childhood memories too. And it's at number nine and then number 10. And then we'll go to quick break again. And then uh, it's called Waterboy. Waterboy is another Adam Sandler movie, which uh, is about like a water boy that takes place or uh, uh, is at a college in uh, Louisiana. Um, he loses his uh, job as a water boy at the one big time college and then has to get a job while to find his uh, overprotective mother who is played by uh, um, Kathy or uh, Kathy Bates. Yes. So uh, he uh, gets uh, another job at a not too great football program. And basically he turns it around when uh, the coach finds out that he really is like good at tackling too. I mean, I mean, trigger the dude and like he can tackle you. So he puts him on – so he – the coach gives him the jersey and uh, puts him on the team and stuff like that. And, like, basically, yeah, so you get to go to school here too well, since you're a student athlete. So, yeah. And stuff too, like, they have to deal with, like, him being, like, ineligible too and, like, uh, the bowl game too. And, like, uh, so, yeah, Farmer Fern. Yeah, that's another funny movie. <laughs> Farmer Fern. <laughs> Somebody said that he sounded like Coach O. Coach O, Coach Ogden, who uh, is the coach at uh, Louisiana or uh, LSU. Yeah. I mean, you hear the guy talk. He sounds like he's got that really thick Cajun accent. Go Tigers. <laughs> Go Tigers. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a legit movie and pretty funny movie. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. I And that's another movie I watch, like, on bus rides during a uh, college baseball season. Stuff like that. So, I, yeah, so it's a great movie. I rank it at number 10. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, 6 through 10. All right, so when we come back, we'll go over 11 through 15. And then, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so we're getting almost close. This is kind of a long episode. Thank you guys so much for uh, following along and kind of staying with the two. I know it's pretty long, but I got stuff this weekend, too, that uh, make it so, like, we have to kind of, like, uh, but. Or on that side too, you know what? 
there really isn't much to do anyway, too, because so you know what? Just let's just record and get it over with. Yeah, let's record. Let's get it out to the people. So yeah, so don't go anywhere, guys. We'll take a quick break. All right, we are back. All right, so number eleven through number fifteen. Is that right? Number eleven for fifteen. Yeah. All right. So um, at number eleven, Black Mass. Number twelve, The Pacific. Number thirteen, Step Brothers. Number fourteen, Gettysburg. And number fifteen, Major League, the first one. All right. So number eleven is a uh, uh, major or a uh, number eleven is Black Mass, and this is the actual story. Of the actual kind of departed, basically. So this is the actual story of Whitey Bulger and kind of played by Johnny Depp, Benedict uh, Cumberpatch is in it too, and uh, somebody, yeah, another actor too, or something like John England or, or something like that. Um, so uh, this is basically about uh, the actual story of Whitey Bulger, the actual mobster, uh, Irish mobster in Boston during the 1970s and 1990s. And it actually shows a more darker side to actual Whitey Bulger, how like he basically made a deal with the FBI. Hey, um, if you uh, make me into an FBI or FBI inform, or if you become an FBI informant, we'll get you off any crime and help us. T- and you can help us take down the Italian mafia too in Boston. Um, so yeah, he does that, gets some information, but while doing that, he also does like gets away with a ton of crime too at the same time. So like, once they're trying to do the whole taking down the mafia thing and doing all that, um, he's off uh, doing some crime too or getting away with crime. And the that's why – and that was the whole thing. The FBI was protecting him because he was a protective informant. So, yeah. So, basically got him off scot-free until basically the end where, like, uh, one of the FBI agents came clean and basically said, hey, this is what we're doing. And then, yeah, that was kind of the end of it. Although he didn't get caught until uh, twenty tw- or uh, twenty eleven, so yeah, he left Boston like around the nineties or so, and then just didn't get caught for like basically almost a decade or so, almost a dec, yeah, almost like twenty years, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, that's the whole story of Whitey Bulger, a really great movie, and kind of a, and more, kind of like more to it, yeah. So yeah, I have a number eleven. All right, number 12 is uh, The Pacific, which is the ban- another version of Band of Brothers, but this time they're not fighting the Germans, they're fighting the Japanese. At this point, this came out in 2010, stuff like that. And this is kind of like how they fall for all the fighting island or uh, island fighting for like uh, Guadalcanal, the Solomon Islands, uh, Pablo, Iwo Jima, and then. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, Okinawa, too, up until the end of the war, the dropping of the atomic bomb and them all going home and stuff like that. And these guys were actually real guys, too, like uh, uh, Bob Leckie was a real, like, and he wrote a book, too, that I have a helmet for my pillow. Um, Eugene Sledge read a book or wrote a book, too. He was one of the guys in it, too. Um, Sergeant ba- or John Bazalone, who was a Medal of Honor winner. Yeah, so yeah, he gets mentioned in that too. So yeah, so yeah, that was a really good mini series. I rank it at number twelve. And then number thirteen is uh, Step Brothers, which is a comedy, another Will Ferrell comedy, where uh, 
They're basically, yeah, uh, and it also has uh, John C. O'Reilly in it, too, and uh, it's pretty funny. So, yeah, basically, these are, uh, their parents both meet, and then they find out they have something in common. They both have, like, almost late 30s and early 40s sons still living at home with them. And they're basically, yeah, kind of deadbeats, too. And and that's what brought them together, and that's why they got married. And then now they have to live together like uh, Brendan and Dale. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty funny too, so yeah. And they eventually do get along at the end, and basically, yeah, and they decided to build a bond together and bought, yeah, the same things too. And that's well, yeah, that's why it's called stepbrothers because yeah, they eventually become buddies at the end, more than brothers, buddies. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, that's a good movie, and I uh, rank it at number thirteen. Yeah. All right. So at number. Um, 14 is Gettysburg, and this is like, and this is my first introduction into the Civil War and stuff like that. This movie called Gettysburg, which is basically the movie about the actual battle of the Battle of Gettysburg from July the 1st to July the 3rd of 1863 in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So, yeah, basically, yeah, so let's see, Jeff Daniels is in it, Mark. Uh, Martin Sheen is in it, and then uh, the same guy, Tom Berdinger, who uh, is in the ne in the next movie we're gonna put in at number yeah so so yeah so yeah so um, yeah and he's General Longstreet in uh, this episode in uh, this movie yeah it does a really good job this is a really good movie like done by Ted Turner the scoring is really good it's kind of that '90s feel but like it's a really good cop feel too. It kind of makes you feel like a little bit like deep requiem or stuff like that or just kind of that deep uh, remembering stuff like that like old times and stuff like that. And yeah, it was basically, yeah, it was basically a battle tell the story of a battle that basically changed the course of the American Civil War to the point where like, yeah, it was kind of the beginning of the end of the Confederacy at that point. Yeah. So yeah. So it was a really good movie. I, I rank it at number 14. And then number fifteen, which I put a uh, char or uh, is the same movie that or uh, Tom Berger is in it too. Um, it's called, uh, and you already know, it's the famous uh, comedy MLB movie called uh, Major League, which follows uh, the Cleveland Indians. And it was kind of a little accurate too, because at the same time when they made the movie, the Cleveland Indians were really awful, and like at the beginning of the movie, they were awful. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, so um, start off with um, this new owner in this very sexy looking uh, um, former showgirl, uh, Rachel Phelps, bought the team from her deceased husband, and uh, so uh, now she's now the owner of the team. And then if they find out when you get more into the movie that she has no plans of staying in Cleveland. So yeah, she actually had has a plan where like she'll build this team to the point where it stinks, to the point it's the team sucks, to the point where like fans will start leaving, and then yeah, they have this deal with the state too. Like if they don't fill enough seats, then they have as every right to move from the city of Cleveland. That was her plan. They'll be so bad to the point where they'll have to move out of Cleveland and then move the team to Miami, and then actually get rid of everybody and then actually get real players. <laughs> so basically, yeah, kind of like a relocation. Extreme mode, yeah. 
We are purposely trying to lose, which is isn't that kind of the whole thing of relocation too? Yeah, that we want the team to suck so we can move. <laughs> but then, yeah, they her plan starts uh, falling apart a little bit too because now this team is starting. They can actually at least they might not win the World Series, but still they can still make it to the point where like it's kind of they'll be a tough team, a little bit of a tough team to beat. To the point where like they're kind of like a pesky team, and then they get to the point where like. Now they have a chance now of basically winning the AL pennant and doing something they haven't done almost like since the 1954 team. And then they kind of find out too that find out her plan and said, you know what? Let's win this thing. Let's just win out. And that's what they did. They basically just went out, went out, and then won at the end where they won their first pennant and make it into the postseason. Being the Yankees. (laughs) Ha ha, Yankees lose. The Yankees lose. So yeah, Charlie Sheen's in it. Wesley Snipes in it too, and uh, Tom Bergers in it. Renee Russo's in it too. So yeah, so yeah, and oh yeah, Her- or uh, Bob Uecker's in it too. He's Harry Doyle. Hi everyone, I'm Harry Doyle. If you actually, yeah, I've actually of her uh, the starting nine uh, podcast did an interview with him. It was pretty neat. Yeah, Bob Uecker. I need to listen to his Hall of Fame speech or uh, Hall of Fame speech too. It's pretty neat. Yeah. So. Yeah, really. Yeah, kind of like him, Vince Scully are two of my uh, favorite broadcasters. One, Joe Castiglione for the Red Sox. So, yeah. So, great movie. I rank it at number 15. All right. Let's see. So, we can go 11 or uh, 16 through. Uh, I think we can do it. All right. Yeah, well, I feel like we got more time in this segment or uh, in this uh, little segment. We can do it. All right. So uh, from 16 to 20, and number 16, the longest day, 1962. Number 17, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. And number 18, the wind that shakes the barley. And, and number 19, Major League Two. And number 20, Semi Pro. So, yeah. Okay, so at number 16, The Longest Day, it's basically a movie about a, um, a 1962 movie with a, um, John, Henry Fonda, Robert Mitchum, and John Wayne. And basically, it's about basically kind of the story of the D Day landings on the actual day of June 6, 1944, and the I2 of June the 5th and June the 6th. Um, so basically, yeah, it kind of has like an in-dale account of some of these guys. And like, it also goes into the German side too, like, and talks about the French occupants or the French who are being occupied too. And like their accounts too. It's like, it's pretty neat. It's a really good movie. And that introduced me into World War II. Like it showed me, Hey, this really did happen. So, yeah. So even though it was a 1962 movie, it was, there were some little inaccuracies too. Like, there were some guys who, like, were really younger than they really were in the actual movie. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the actual meteorologist for uh, the Allies, uh, Stag, he was actually around the same age as I was. But in the movie, they had kind of made him into, like, grizzly old man. Yeah. Kind of, or, like, guy in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, someone who is, yeah, this dude, yeah. Is, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, so, yeah. I do like the first version of it. Like, they have a... The British and the or the Americans and the British speaking English and the Germans and the French speaking their own language, and that, and that's kind of because I kind of like it that way because that was actually what they spoke. Yeah, 
So, yeah. And they actually had some actual uh, – the Germans in them were actually guys who were actually fought in World War II. Like one guy was like a Nazi propagandist uh, actor too during World War II. The guy who played Rommel. Yeah. Yeah, but a lot of those guys – a lot of some of those guys who fought with the British and the Americans were actually in World War II as well because the same guy who was the British paratrooper at Pegasus Bridge, the guy who played J- John – uh, John Howard was actually uh, with the actual paratroopers at Pegasus. Yeah. So, yeah, the actual actor. Yeah, but he was one of the kind of like uh, enlisted men. He wasn't, yeah. Yeah. One of the guys who, uh, the guy played Lord Lovett, the guy that came and rescued the British uh, paratroopers or relieved the guys at Pegasus. Yeah, he married one of Kennedy's sisters. One of J- John F. Kennedy's sisters, yeah. John Wayne's in it, yeah, one of the paratroopers. Yeah. So it's a great movie, a little old and a little accurate, but yeah, it's still a great movie, and I rank it at number 16. All right, number 17 is my childhood, is uh, the first movie they made of my favorite childhood uh, show, and it's uh, for some of you guys, your actual favorite childhood show, but I'll just, uh, or I'll just uh, remind you guys. Who lives in the pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> so this is the first movie that they did in 2004, where uh, it begins where uh, so uh, SpongeBob they get the managerial job and uh, he's upset, but then it ties into a uh, plankton steals Neptune's crown and then the finger points at uh Mr. Krabs. So to prove that like uh to prove to Mr. Krabs that and everybody that SpongeBob is a man and he can do what an adult male can do as in go get, uh, go get Neptune's crown and prove Mr. Krabs is innocence. And he has to make this long journey with Patrick and stuff like that. And when they're gone, Plankton takes over the town and gets the Krabby pay formula and then takes over the town. And then they have to retake the town, <laughs> which they eventually did. I'm a goofy goober. We're all goofy goobers. I want to rock it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. A really good movie, yeah. It's really, yeah, awesome, good movie, yeah. So, and I put it at number seventeen. All right, number eighteen is the wind that shakes the barley. Um, the same guy who uh, uh Killian Murphy, who was uh, uh Tom Shelby in the Peaky Blinder show, is in this, and it's a story about a uh, um. A guy or two brothers that live in Ireland during uh, um, Ireland's War for Independence, which is 100 years ago, happened 100 years ago today, this year. So, yeah. So, um, they're fighting for their independence. Well, to begin with, um, Damien Damien O'Donovan wants to become a doctor. And because that's basically what most of those Irish Catholics at the time could possibly achieve, be a doctor. And he's about ready to go to medical school. And then one day after coming back from a hurling match, which is basically uh, Irish field hockey or kind of like field hockey and stuff like that, um, a group of black Italians, which are basically kind of British auxiliary forces, and they basically were kind of like the basically the guys who basically got away with some of the atrocities and uh, for the British, um, basically yeah, encountered them, raided their village, and then – Killed one of his buddies who was a uh, who uh, they got into an altercation with one of the black and tans because the guy wouldn't uh, didn't understand English because he spoke Gaelic, like and they fought like like 
is he the finest? And then they tied him on bayonet of the dude. And that and it didn't really change him there, but then when he went went to this train station, um Damien O'Donovan, he went to the train station and encountered British soldiers beating up on a one of the Irish uh, train conductors and stuff like that. And he thought, you know what? Screw medical school. I'm joining the IRA. Who, which his brother was one of the leaders or one of the main uh, commanders at, of the local IRA. So he was able to get in. And like they basically go through training. They they did get captured at one point and then escape because one of the guards was Irish. And uh, he decided, hey, if uh, I let you go, can I join you guys? Yeah. <laughs> You can you get I, yeah, and that's what they did. So yeah, so yeah, so led an ambush, and then it goes through the whole ceasefire and the whole Anglo-Irish treaty, and how that kind of led to the Irish Civil War, which tore Teddy Donovan, the older brother, and Damien Donovan, who was a uh, Murphy, as in Tom Shelby. Um, basically, so yeah, tore them apart because Teddy became pro-treaty, and then uh, Damien became anti-treaty. And that kind of caused him to strip. And then at the point where, spoiler alert, um, Damien gets captured by uh, Teddy's uh, outfit. And then uh, Teddy has to execute him. And basically, yeah, he does. And then, yeah, so that's kind of the end of the movie. Um, it's one of those weird movies, but it's still a kind of great movie. And it kind of looks into Ireland's war for independence and stuff like that. So, yeah, and kind of the struggle, which a lot of that stuff is happening 100 years ago this year so yeah it's pretty neat so a really good i wouldn't say the best movie of all time but i mean one of the kind of like one of my favorites and i rank it at number 18 did i say 18 yeah i said 18 all right okay so at number 19 is the second major league movie major league two and basically it's they're coming off their uh the last season where uh they, uh, yeah, basically defied all odds and stuff like that. And then they're feeling good. Um, and then they find out news that Rachel Phillips is decided she uh, is uh, selling the team and uh, and gives it to uh, – yeah, so, yeah. Gives it to Yahoo. And gives it, yeah, to one of the players who happens to be – hold on. Let's Google it. Four and uh, – Major, we'll figure it out. Here we are. What do you think it's for? Uh... All right, so here we are. So yeah, Dorn. Yeah, Dorn. Yeah, he sells the team to Dorn, or she sells the team to Dorn, and he becomes the owner. And they, they make all these moves. They get an all star catcher, and they fought all the way, all the way. And then they find out that none of their plans are coming together. Like they're kind of falling for the same stuff as last year. Like, yeah, and like some of the guys that brought that team together are kind of, yeah, the problem too. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, and she ends up buying the team and they had to do the whole thing over again and then bring the team together because, yeah, so. Um, so, Brown, yeah, so Brown ends up uh, getting a heart attack and then uh, Jake Taylor has to become the manager now. So, yeah, the interim manager. 
And basically they bring the whole team together and do the same thing they did again, but this time they go to the World Series. So, yeah, so it was pretty neat. I wonder if they faced the Cubs or somebody like that. I wonder if they won. Because Cleveland hasn't won a World Series in like eight, almost 80 years. So, yeah, ooh. Yeah. They better win, which I don't think they will. Yeah, But you don't know. All right, another great movie. It's not as great as major the first Major League, but still a great, kind of funny movie. Yeah. So, and I put it at number 19. At number 20, and then we'll go to quick break, um, Semi-Pro, which is another Will Ferrell movie. It takes place in Flint, Michigan. Um, it's a, one of the ABA teams, which ABA is like – it was the kind of like the rival to the NBA during the 60s and 70s until they merged with the NBA and stuff like that. So Flint Tropics is part of that league, and they're struggling to get fans, and they kind of stink a little bit too. And then they find out news that there's an NBA merger or merger with the NBA. But then when uh, Jackie Moon, who's uh, played by Will Ferrell, goes to the actual league meeting about that and then finds out he's not one of the four teams to get um, selected for the merger. And we'll find out after the season is over, we'll cease to exist. (laughs) Then he has to find – well, then they came up with the idea of, hey – what are the four teams or what are the top four teams or the four teams that well the top four teams that finished top four in the league that sh- those are be should be the teams that get to go to, or be selected in the merger <laughs> what that guy said so yeah that's what they had to do get in the top four and but then they find out that yeah no matter what happens and because the commissioner had a change of heart basically said no matter what happens these four teams I originally had will be the four teams that will go to the NBA, which will be the New York Nets, which are now the Brooklyn Nets, uh, the San Antonio Spurs, the Indiana Pacers, and the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. You'll cease to exist. (laughs) He's like biting them. Jackie, don't bite yourself. (laughs) What has New York got that I don't have? Well, they got a stadium, fans, um, great players. <laughs> there were funny movies too. I mean, yeah. So yeah, a little more crass. <laughs> we don't have that many corn dogs. What's he talking about corn dogs? If we score enough, I need to say like if we score enough points, then everybody in the stand, in the stands gets free corn dogs, or everybody in the audience gets free corn dogs. <laughs> we don't have that many corn dogs. <laughs> free corn dogs, Jackie. All right. Okay. Let's. All right. Let's wrap the segment up, and then when we come back, we'll finish off the standings, and then wrap the show up, and then see you guys next week. All right. So don't go anywhere, guys. Almost done. All right. We are back to wrap the show up. So at uh, here we go. Number twenty-one to number twenty. Number twenty-one to number twenty-five. Um. So here we are. We'll read it off, and then we'll go into a little bit of a depth details about them. And number twenty. Oh. Hold on. Hold on for a minute. Hold on. It's ready. I don't know why. All right. So, um, so anyway, number 20. Here we are. Excuse me. Need the verb. Um, number 21, Defiance. Number 22, Michael Collins. Number 23, 
SpongeBob SquarePants movie or the SpongeBob movie, a sponge under a sponge out of water. Number twenty-four, horrible bosses, and number twenty-five, Patriots Day. All right, so number twenty-one, Defiance is a movie it has Daniel Craig in it, the same guy, and also the same guy who's uh Ray Donovan on the Ray Donovan uh show. So he's in it. Um, so it's basically a story about a well four Jewish brothers. I don't know the names of the other actors too, but um. Or in that movie, uh, who played the four brothers, but uh, four Jewish brothers who have spent their lives in Belarus uh, and basically spend their lives entire in the entire woods, basically, or at least to the point where like they know the woods from from like the back of their hands, basically. So, but basically, so what I'm getting into, like, so the movie happens starts off with the German invasion of uh, Russia and the Soviet Union and Belarus or Belarusia at the time. It's now Belarus. So at the time, uh, they're rounding up Jews, and then they find out their parents are dead, and then they go hide out in the woods. And they said, the Germans will not find us in the woods because we know this wood from the back of our hands. They'll never find us here. And then and stuff like that. So um, they do that. But then they run into a few other Jews who are trying to escape too. And then they thought, you know, let's take them in. And then they kind of start the whole ripple effect of like taking – people in and like Jews who are trying to hide from the not or escape from the Nazi occupation. And they thought, let's take them all in. Let's save their lives and save a whole ton of people from being murdered. Yeah. And basically they go hide them out in the woods. They even started like a real, like a partisan or a partisan or Austriad, which is basically partisan, like a guerrilla group. And basically, yeah, go on like harass the Germans and stuff like that, which is pretty neat. I mean, it's a really good movie. I meant. And at the end, well, at the end of the war, I will just give a spoiler alert. They do end up all living at the end, except the one of the brothers ends up dying. He uh, ends up joining the or, uh, Russians and uh, basically ends up dying in one of the battles. But pretty much all or three of the four brothers end up living for the war and basically ha- end up starting families and basically and reading or watching some of the documentaries of the guys and like from their children being interviewed and like they find out like. At parties and stuff like that, all these people are thanking them, saying, "Hey, thank you so much." To find out, at first they thought they were just relatives, but then find out these are the actual people that he saved, yeah. or actually ended up saving and stuff like that. So it was pretty neat. So yeah, a really good story and a really good kind of feel good story. It's kind of like and the finds it's called because there these are the Jews who said, "No, you will not come and take us. We will fight to the end, basically." Fight you guys, and basically they fought and fought that they did. Yeah, yeah. Basically, all the way up to the end of the war, they basically fought them and dodged them. And this is kind of the story of those uh, Jews who hit hit out in the woods. A really good movie, and I have it at uh, number twenty one. So yeah, I actually have the DVD of it too. It's pretty neat. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, okay. Kind of want to do that, but okay. I clicked on something. So all right. So. All right, number 22, Michael Collins. Michael Collins um, is a movie about the kind of like the Irish uh, revolutionary during the Ireland's War for Independence. And he was part of the 1916 Easter Rising, too. Um, he uh, This is a play by Liam Neeson. It also has Alan Rickman in it, too. And a few other people. Oh, Julia Roberts is in it, too. Yeah, she's in it, too. Yeah, so, yeah. 
So uh, this is a movie about uh, Michael Collins who uh, led – kind of like started the IRA and stuff like that and basically was kind of the main leader in orchestra during the whole uh, war for independence against the British, kind of like the whole IRA guerrilla fighting, the assassinations that they did against British officials and British – or Irish-British agents that were like – or Irish that were basically – agents for the British basically and like kind of like made it so like that this is how they won their war for independence basically it's kind of tactics and stuff like that and so yeah and also goes into the civil war too he was a general or kind of one of the main people in the arm in the government at the time the pro-treaty IRA and how like he was eventually assassinated too by the anti-treaty IRA so yeah so basically a story of his life too played by Liam Neeson so, great, good movie I have at number 22. Number 23 is The Sponge Out of Water, which is a – or the SpongeBob movie, A Sponge Out of Water. <clears throat> and this is a movie about uh, how someone steals the secret Krabby adding formula again. And they thought it was Plankton but then find out it was somebody else like that. Somebody that was actually turns up in the movie and stuff like that. And then – Everybody has to team up and get the Krabby Patty formula back. And uh, so, yeah, they even had to team up with Plankton, a guy who has been since the entire existence of the show or the entire existence of SpongeBob SquarePants has been trying to steal the Krabby Patty secret formula. And this, yeah, and they had to go under, out of water too. And this is where, like, the, the original format of the show or the original animation format of the show becomes different because now they're going out of water now. Yeah, to get, yeah, to try to find the Krabby Patty formula, which is pretty neat. Yeah, so good movie too. And at number twenty three, all right, number twenty four, Horrible Bosses, which is a uh, has a uh, John Bateman in it, Jason Segal, or not J Jason Siegel or C or Sudeikis. Yes, Jason Sudeikis. Um. Charlie Day, who's a uh, Charlie on uh, Only Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, Kevin Spacey, yeah, who's now in jail right now for being a pervert. <clears throat> um, Jennifer Anson and uh, Colin Farrell in it. So, yeah, so pretty neat movie. So um, all three of those guys, uh, John Bateman, Jason Sudeikis, and uh, Charlie Day, all, all have three horrible bosses, one that's abusive. One that's a tool and kind of a douchebag, and one that sexually abuses them. Yeah, or sexually or harasses them, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Sexually harasses them. He gets the one who's a sexual harasser. Yeah, it's Jennifer Anson. <laughs> it's kind of funny in that movie. I know it's kind of not really fun to joke about something like sexual harassment, but I mean, at that, I meant like, I do want to. I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind. <laughs> I mean, you kind of mind because, yeah, she, he's about to uh, – Charlie's character is about to get married pretty soon and, like, he really can't be. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, that kind of pisses them off too. So, they get an idea where let's kill our bosses or, like, murder our bosses and try to cover it up basically and stuff like that. So, yeah, stuff goes wrong. It's pretty funny. I mean, and, yeah, so, so yeah, it's pretty funny. So, a little bit of spoiler, Colin Farrell or uh, – Carl boss gets killed by Kevin Spacey's character, and then uh, Kevin Spacey's character goes to jail, and then uh, J 
Jennifer Aniston gets kind of gets blackmailed by Charlie saying like, Hey, like, yeah, stop harassing me. And then, uh, uh, because I got you on tape now. So like, and say like, Hey, I won't drop this if you do. Yeah. <laughs> if you give me so-and-so a vacation, you stop harassing me. <laughs> it's a funny movie. I mean, yes. They come up with a second one too, which we, I try to watch too. Um, we try to watch on the, on a bus ride to a game for Harlem baseball. But then there was a scene like at the actual, in the movie where like, yeah, our coach said, okay, nope, got it. So yeah, we didn't get to finish the entire movie, which they had to do the same thing too. Except uh, somebody tries taking their company away, like their company that they start, all three of them start together. And now they have to get it back either because I think, well, they don't murder, but they said, let's kidnap them. Kidnapping. We're trying to say kidnapping. With one more P, it means kidnapping. It's kidnapping. <laughs> so I can't spell. All right. At number 25 and last in the standings, and finally the standings are done, um, is Patriots Day. Patriots Day is uh, has Mark Wahlberg in it, and it basically talks about the whole Boston Marathon bombing. And if you're not really sure what if you're not from Massachusetts or Maine or probably New England or what Patriots Day is, you know, it has nothing to do with the New England Patriots. Somebody asked me, I said like Happy Patriots Day on the actual Patriots Day. It's like the third Monday of every April. And Patriots Day is basically, yeah, it's basically the anniversary of the uh, battles of Lexington and Concord during the American Revolution. So Patriots Age has like Patriots as American. But when I said that to somebody, they thought, you bring the bring no Patriots. Oh my God. Because one of the, some of the, one of the guys was a Steelers fan and thought like, he thought I meant the New England Patriots. Like, no, I meant Patriots Day as in the anniversary of the first battles of our, of the war that won our independence. Yeah. So yeah, Patriots Day as yeah. So that's what I thought at first when I first heard about that holiday. I thought so yeah, the marathon happens, and this is what happens: is the 2013 marathon bombings, yeah, and how they went out and like basically went after these guys, yeah. So yeah, and it actually looked like those guys were actually what they meant to do. They actually did mean to do it. I thought they just got confused because what I thought because Chesians. The, Ch- the whole Chesian thing, like, they were actually fighting war for independence against the Russians, which I can see why the Russians are all doing. I, so it kind of confused me at first, like, why they would bomb an American city. But then you kind of figure it out, or, like, I just thought, like, they just get the wrong country confused. <laughs> like, oh, wait, what? Oh, this isn't Russia? Oops. But then you kind of find out in the movie, yeah, these guys, they kind of mean that they were actually meaning to do that. But then, yeah, they were almost like, they also had other bombing cities. They were going to plan to bomb other cities too, like New York and Washington. But then finally, thanks to our, thanks to the Boston's finest and having to, yeah, based on our Boston's finest, they were able to catch these dudes or at least bring one of them to justice. They killed one of the brothers. Uh, but brought the other brother, the younger brother, to justice and found him. Gu- Did they find him guilty? I mean, it really doesn't matter now because that guy, dude's going to live in prison for the rest of his life, too. Seriously, we should. they should basically just hang that dude, just execute that. Because he already killed a few people. I mean, that is that is punishable. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't know. All right, so good movie. And um, I recommend it to pretty much it. 
Oh yeah, so yeah, so yeah, I have a number 25. Alright, that is it. We have done our first um coronavirus quarantined episode, which we have nothing really except news or sports to talk about because there really is no sports or news to talk about. Except there are some news, but just not really scores and stuff like that. So our first episode where, where there's no sports scores or anything like that. So, yeah. So, anyway, so, yeah. So, probably the next time we talk, I might have to do something like, we could do, like, a video game simulation of one of, uh, yeah, either the boss sports teams or, yeah, something like that. Yeah. We could do something like that. Do a simulation game. Watch some old games. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Maybe talk about the books I'm reading or talk about what names I'm going to give to my kids or favorite athletes growing up. I don't know. There's an endless possibility of what we can do now because looking at it now, I don't feel like this is going to end anytime soon. This whole coronavirus thing. I feel like this will be months and months before we actually get back to actual sports. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, that's about it. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share and keep doing what I love. Subscribe, rate, review on Apple iTunes. Give us a five-star review if you can. Follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Royal. And then follow my personal Twitter page at JunkyardDog underscore 92. Uh, follow the show on Instagram at Royal Rooters 1992. And then follow, yes, we are now on TikTok now at uh, Royal Rooters 1992. And then follow the show on Twitter, Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcast from. Doesn't matter to us. And with that being said, that about do it. See you guys next Saturday. Well, this is actually Friday. We are recording. So, yeah. So, see you guys next Saturday. Banyana.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Yeah, unfortunately, Tom Brady's gone, so it is. What, is it over? Is it over? Don't always believe what Kellerman tells you.